0: And welcome back to another edition of Champs Corner featuring Mark Jennings. I am Drew Champlin, your host. We've got a special episode for you guys today. We will have our very first in-studio guest, and uh, we will share who that is shortly. But uh, first off, I just want to let you guys know, please uh, listen to our podcast. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Just search Champs Corner and you'll get it. Uh please uh, sh- share with your friends through word of mouth. Uh pretty much our only platform is Twitter, but share on your social medias. uh al.com uh they decided they valued Danny Sheridan over us, but that's neither here nor there. Let me introduce my co-host Mark Jennings to you. Uh Mark, how you
1: doing? Drew as always, let me tell you how much of a pleasure it is to be on your podcast. It's Sunday. We're about two thirds of the way through the college football season, high school regular season, to wrapping up in the next couple of weeks. And my favorite time of the year, other than signing day, is definitely high school playoffs. And I'm excited to be able to share my wealth of expertise on your podcast, Drew. How are you doing?
0: You know, I'm doing really well. And, and thank you for asking, Mark. I watched Alabama beat Tennessee on TV yesterday. We won't talk a whole lot about that, if at all, because we really want to devote our episode to our special guest. Um, couple of news items, and we have one where we talked about this quarterback recruit last summer because he was an Alabama target for a while, even though he had been committed to Utah for for a good while before he thought about visiting. His name's Jack Tuttle, and uh, like you always say, when a player commits to Utah, they automatically become a Mormon, and Jack Tuttle was steadfast on he was going to stay with Utah. He wasn't going to visit Alabama Well, then word gets out that he's going to transfer through his uh, in the middle of his freshman season. I think he was maybe no better than third string on the depth chart, and he was a pretty highly touted recruit out of somewhere in California. Um, But, Mark, uh, you got a lot of feedback when you mentioned how he participated on Sunday at the opening in Oregon last year, even though he is a Mormon because he committed to Utah. What does this do with Jack Tuttle's faith? Does this mean that he's no longer a Mormon?
1: Well, before first of all, before we get into any uh, uh, religious questions that I'm going to answer, you know, you say somewhere in California, he's from San Marcos, California, about halfway between San Diego and Los Angeles, and going to Salt Lake City, uh, and that culture is this too much of a culture shock for him, and I think that had a lot to do with him transferring as well as the playing time. But for your question is, does he no longer remain a Mormon? I, I I can't say this with 100% certainty, but my sources in the Church of Latter-day Saints are telling me that he is going to be excommunicated from the church as a part of his transfer. And apparently that was all set up when he signed with Utah and he knew the deal. So it is my understanding that as soon as he leaves campus and uh, doesn't re-enroll next semester, he is no longer be part of the, the Mormon faith, through.
0: Okay, well hopefully uh, Jack Tuttle will find somewhere else where he fits in, um, athletically and spiritually, I'm not really sure where he's going to end up. He's not going to go to Alabama. They're pretty set at quarterback with uh, two senior commits and one junior commits. I don't think Alabama is going to be in the picture for him, but just wanted to really just share that bit of news, and and I wasn't really sure how uh, I immediately thought, is this guy going to still be a Mormon or not? But I knew I wanted to ask you, uh, speaking of a local prospect, we talked about Jeremiah Alexander. He is a freshman outside linebacker, edge rusher from Thompson High School. And we had a chance to see him play when Thompson beat Spain Park a couple of weeks back. And if you remember, this was the game that I was covering. And you were there, but you didn't tell me you were there. So I didn't see you. But we talked about Jeremiah Alexander's performance. Three sacks in the game. Just a freshman. So he's a class of 2022 now he has six offers, and he recently got Florida, LSU, and Tennessee. And that's within the last week, and that's since we talked about him on the podcast, Mark. So, how, tell us about Jeremiah Alexander's, uh, his, his quick, his, his stock is rising, and how, is, how did that come to happen?
1: Well, you know, I have, I have relationships with coaches all over the country. I have a relationship with Coach Pruitt over at Tennessee, I have a relationship with Dan Mullen over at Florida, I have a relationship with coaches on the LSU staff. And I've been telling them for two years since I saw Jeremiah Alexander's 7th grade film and the potential he had and, and the way his, his body was going to develop. You can see the big frame that he had, how much muscle he was going to be able to put on and keep his speed and his acceleration, and the development of the football instincts. He's a pretty smart kid. I've been selling these coaches on him for two years. And I, I, I did the podcast the other day. Mentioned to him. I got a text from a couple of coaches on the LSU staff, from the LSU and Florida staff, asking me about him. I told them about him. So I told him. I have told them about you before. They said, "Yeah, I remember." So they got some of this film this week, and and they looked at it, and that was an immediate offer for them as an immediate take. or Excuse me, an immediate offer uh, for those teams. So you know, I, it's my name is pretty well known around the region as an expert in in high school football recruiting and and breaking down film of high school players and and not just high school players, really middle school players, and seeing how they're going to develop. So uh, I really had a lot to do that offer, Drew, and, I, and that's why I, I love sharing my expertise in your podcast because it really gives a, a voice or allows the people to really listen to an expert like myself and really understand. the. And, and so those people in the audience are hearing the same thing that coaches are hearing.
0: That's that's pretty impressive, Mark. I mean, it's been a bit pretty big week for you. First, a pretty big week. You bring back Dixieland to light, and uh, now you get a freshman linebacker, three major SEC offers. Does it really get any better than that, or is this just a normal week in the life of Mark Jennings?
1: Well, Drew, it's what I do. It's 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 what I devoted my life to, and it's really my passion in helping out these high school athletes. You now, my real joy comes when uh, players that aren't as talented as Jeremiah as Alexander, I get them noticed and I get them scholarships because Jeremiah Alexander would would have been noticed uh, by everybody later on. It's not this early without me. But it's the players who really, uh, the players who work hard uh, on the field, work hard in the classroom to remain eligible. When I can get them scholarships, that's really what brings me my greatest joy. And that's really why I do what I do.
0: Outstanding. Hey, I'm not sure if you had a chance to go to a game last week. I went to the Hoover versus Vestavia game, and this was at Vestavia, and I'm not sure, in your opinion, if Vestavia is as dangerous as Hoover is or not, but it was my first time to see Hoover. Hoover won, oh, I think it was 31-14, to 14, and Got to see the young uh, quarterback Robbie Ashford. He broke off an eighty yard touchdown run to ice the game. He he just turned sixteen, so it's really impressive what he's able to do when he really should be a sophomore in high school instead of a instead of a junior. Saw George Pickens, the Auburn receiver commit. He he's just a really great receiver. I really enjoy watching him play. Also, uh the Alabama commit, Will Reichard. had a chance to watch him and he kicks off and he punts. And uh he, and he kicks field goals he missed a 40 a 33 yard field goal earlier in the game he it was wide left he just boomed the crap out of it i've never seen a ball boom off somebody's leg like i have his at the, at the high school level and it's really impressive and uh and, and i really thought to myself i think joseph boulevard is going to have a nice career that doesn't mean he won't get beat out by will reichert next year but i thought to myself watching will reichert punt he just punted once um you know, Maybe he could be Alabama's punter next year instead of their place kicker. Uh, is that something that's crossed your mind, Mark?
1: Yeah, it really is. I, I agree with you on on Joseph Boulevards. So I think he's going to improve. He certainly has all the tools. Uh, he has the mental capacity and awareness to be a great kicker. Um, but I agree with you. I think he'd be a, a, a punter, and I think of the possibility of Alabama punting next year with, with Will Reichert. Uh, 15 yards back, and then receiving snaps from the uh, really the greatest long snapper in the history of the game. Uh, I, I'm excited about the potential for the Alabama special teams unit when they punt the ball uh, next year going forward.
0: All right, and that's uh, that's pretty much. I just really wanted to watch him kick, and he, he I saw him punt last year. He was their punter. Barrett Pickering, who's at Nebraska, was their kicker. But uh, yeah, he's you know Alabama should have. Sophomore Schuyler along at punter, he got benched this week by, and replaced by Mark Mike Bernier, a walk-on center, uh, senior, excuse me. And uh, boulevard will be a redshirt sophomore. So you got two sophomores next year, and and then you got uh, Will Riker coming in. I don't anticipate Alabama having to use a punter much next year, as long as Tua Tongovaloa is healthy. But uh, we'll see. It'll be a good competition. I think Alabama is going to be be solid on the special teams next year. Let's get to our guest, and uh, you know him on Twitter as Bama Pro Updates. His name is John Graham, and uh, you know he he identifies himself as John Graham. There's no hi- he's, there's no hiding behind a fake screen name or there or not. He now has seventeen thousand followers, and you uh, you know you, you pull up his Twitter account and you see. Uh, professional updates from pretty much every Alabama athlete that ever played who is still doing stuff uh, post-college, you know, from tennis tournaments in Malaysia, golf tournaments in Iceland. um, You know, football, NFL is a big day. It's a Sunday afternoon. We're (laughs) recording. And uh, Michael Casagrande of AL.com profiled John Graham Bama Pro Updates in a story earlier this spring. But, uh, Mark, how familiar are you with the Bama Pro Updates account?
1: I, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with it, to be honest with you, Drew. It's kind of amazing how he, he's able to handle it all. You know, I, I read the Michael Cassandra Day article uh, that came out a few months ago, and honestly, it, it's one of the best pieces of journalism I've ever read from AL.com. I, I kind of wish, for me personally, it would have been a slideshow. I really enjoy the slideshows when, when it comes to, to clicking on an article and be able to flip through the pictures. But that's neither here nor there. But I thought it was a great article, and I really enjoy following Bama Pro Updates. Uh, for all the information that he brings.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and when you see his Twitter account and you see all these updates, uh, do you think back to, uh, you know, when you broke them, broke down their high school films?
1: Yeah, I do, and and, and I always, you know, it, it jogs my memory some, because I remember who, and, and, you know, I remember you'll hear a, a tweet about somebody playing, you know, uh, golf in Finland or something, and I'll go out there, and I remember breaking down this guy's swing, you know, Ten years ago, when he was in the eighth grade playing at the at the junior masters in dothan, so uh, what i what I really appreciate about Ben Pro updates is he lists his real name on his Twitter folk profile. he doesn 't hide behind a fake name like so many people on Twitter do. you know you look at my mention sometimes it 's just filled with anonymous trolls you know the, the bots in, China, in in Russia and China have really gone out of their way to attack my Twitter account. And and I appreciate the fact that when I see a tweet from, from Bama Pro Updates, John Graham, I know it's not a bot. I know it's not Putin trying to uh, influence my Twitter account. And I appreciate the fact that he does that, and he stands by his name, and he stands by his reporting.
0: Absolutely. And and he's been standing by too long listening to us babble back and forth. Uh, John Graham at Bama Pro Updates, how you doing today?
2: Uh- I'm doing great, doing great. appreciate you having me on. And Mark, this is, the, this is a distinct honor. I uh, feel like I'm in the presence of greatness.
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's a true statement. Um, I, I've worked hard to develop my name and have an astounding reputation. So you are correct in that assessment. that It is an honor for you to be on this podcast. But I'm glad that you're here uh, as well. I'm interested in learn about some of your Twitter feed and, and how you follow all these big-time players around the world. Well, uh
0: first off, John, I just wanna ask you and and you've had your Twitter account since since probably the middle of twenty twelve, so we're you know, just past the six year mark and you've got seventeen thousand followers. Uh just a small sample compared to the two hundred thousand that Mark Jennings fifty five has, but uh you know, if you didn't read the liberal media news story that Michael Casagarde did, uh, how did you get into doing what you do and update updating um all all these professional athletes?
2: Well it started um, you know it really started I was watching the two thousand twelve u s open and just to recall that was the one where uh, Michael Thompson was leading it part, leading for part of it and ended up finishing second and uh, a couple of other Alabama golfers had good tournaments and I was just thinking that you know there there really wasn't a twitter there wasn't a Twitter feed out there that, that looked at Alabama athletes beyond the ones that were doing it for football so just came up with the idea that I thought you know I thought it might be something I'd be interested in doing uh started it out with the um NBA tournament that that it was a couple of weeks later and unfortunately we didn't have anyone drafted but the, the feed started that night and just sort of just sort of took off from there
0: all right. So, um not only do you uh do you follow these NFL players who are playing right now and maybe you're maybe you're tracking some some injury reports down. I think we're getting to the uh got about 30 minutes, 30 45 minutes before the late afternoon game start. Um what does a Sunday afternoon entail uh for you in following these NFL games or the or Sunday morning?
2: Well, usually what I usually I'll have one game on my the the big screen in my office and i have Usually have three computers on my desk that are just car- that are tracking box scores. But I will um, ninety minutes before a kickoff, I'll check all the inactives for a, for a particular game, and usually I'll compile those and I'll send those out so everyone who knows who's not playing. And then from there, it's just following the following the games online for the most part, other than whatever one might be on TV, uh, whichever one CBS or Fox decides they want me to see. And then after the game, I will tweet out a stat line showing how everybody did.
0: So it's not just NFL; it's obviously the other sports too. You mentioned golf; you've tweeted a lot about tennis and, and other sports. What's your method to the madness? How how do you keep yourself so organized when it comes to who is playing where? Because there's, I don't think anybody could have ever. I don't. I don't see how anyone can track all this stuff down. But you do such a great job of it. What's the method to your madness here?
2: But pretty much what I do is I've got a couple of different calendars that I keep, and I'll about once a month I'll update it with who's scheduled to play where. I've got a I've got one calendar for the all the European basketball and NBA, uh, another calendar for all the different golf events that might involve an Alabama golfer, um, and then in baseball season, and in baseball season I will, um, you know, I've got a different calendar. That I'll keep for baseball. So it's mostly mostly online calendars and Excel spreadsheets. Um, okay. My true my my true vocation is I'm a I've got a tax practice and so I work pretty much in spreadsheets all day long. So it's, it's sort of it's a natural extension to what what I normally do.
0: Uh, what's the biggest thrill and the biggest joy you get out of doing this? Uh,
2: I, you know the the fact that some of the the other that the other players, you know, professional players, follow me and will, you know, will give me feedback from time to time. And their families follow me, and uh, you know, I get some, I get some level of, you know, some level of gratification out of the fact that they're following and they enjoy it, and you know, they they appreciate the fact that somebody's following. Following them after they're gone, particularly if they're you know if they're playing in Eastern Europe or something like that, and figure that nobody knows what they're up to. Does
0: so Tony Mitchell follow you on
2: Twitter to hear hear something from one of those guys? Um, I I think Tony does now. I, now Tony's mother follows me because any time I will refer to Tony as the original Crazy Tony, um, his mother likes the tweet.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Uh, Mark, You got, what do you have for John? I do.
1: Uh, John, you're a family man, correct? That is correct. What does your family and your wife say when you're spending all this time following uh, you know, Alabama handball players in New Zealand or, or tennis players in Namibia? What do they say about all this?
2: Well, for the most part, they just think I'm working. I just tell them that I'm working and I'm busy and they usually just they leave me alone and you know, unless they're actually following with it, they just think I'm doing
0: tax returns. Ah, that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Now, uh John, you, you tweeted uh you've tweeted about Ricky Tarrant, right? Yes, that's correct. You tweeted about Dacia Simmons, right? Yes. And marie Smith?
2: Uh yes.
0: And obviously the common ground is they played a couple years at Alabama, but they didn't finish their careers there. Well, let me ask you about one other guy and see if you've tweeted about him. He's had a marginal pro career. Uh, His name is Corey Grant. Do you still track him down as well? Uh, Drew, I don't. What I do is I draw the line. at whether or not they actually
2: played. Um, And Corey Grant, for his year at Alabama, the same with Alvin Kamal. Um, They both redshirted, never got on the field, so I don't really track them. Carter spent a year in Tuscaloosa, but he spent most of it suspended. He never got on the field, so I don't track him. So that's usually my draw. That's usually where I draw the line is whether they actually play, you know, they actually got into game, games and played on the field. And with those three you mentioned, all three of them actually, they all actually earned degrees from Alabama. So they're, it would be part of the reason that I'll, I'll track them, even though they're you know, their Alabama careers, you know, in the way we would have all liked to have seen.
0: Oh, so it's not just an Auburn, Tennessee thing? No. Okay. That's interesting. I th- I just thought I'd kind of uh, bust your balls a little bit on that one, but that, that makes actually perfect sense. Um, it's, uh, you know, Mark gets some, like Mark mentioned earlier, he does get some harsh words from detractors who uh, demean what he's doing a little bit, but your your Twitter account is pretty positive. Do you ever... Get any negative feedback? Um, I,
2: I do from time to time, um, and I usually just ignore it. I don't really get into a back and forth with them. I mean, if I figure they took if they if they have to reply back with a negative ta- comment, at least they took the time to read the post in the first place. So you know if they're they're not happy. Fine.
0: It happens. Usually, it'll,
2: usually, usually it will be somebody that's not necessarily wanting to crap on one of the pro players it's usually something related to the, and the fact that we have to you know we have to cheat to get to where we are that sort of thing
1: john when you when, uh, you just told told us earlier how you have to set up with your computers and your and your your big screen tv but obviously you don't have time and and you have to sleep and there are obviously sporting events going on simultaneously when there are so many sporting events going on at the same time and you can't watch them all, do you go back and watch the games that you've recorded that you couldn't watch live, or do you just break down the statistics?
2: Mostly it's the statistics, but if there's something that in particular that happened that I want to go back and see um, for for instance, Tony Brown got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty a couple of weeks ago for time and it was nobody ever posted a video of that on Twitter, so I went back and pulled up the pulled up from the um you know, pulled up the NFL films where you know, found the found the incident on there and then um you know screen grabbed it and then tweeted that out so everyone could see it. It's usually an incident like that where I'm, I'm going back to find a particular play or something like that, as opposed to um, as opposed to actually watching a full game um, baseball season. I'll do that a lot to go back and find where somebody hit a home run or something like that. That might be of interest where I just need to go and find a single play but um, usually don't go back and watch full games.
1: Now, John, you're you're in Atlanta. And uh, you know Georgia, we're Colin Sexton from, and I noticed Colin Sexton uh, when he was much younger in high school before all the other coaches did. And one of the more interesting things I, I like about Colin Sexton is the way he worked hard to develop his body, to get his body ready uh, to play at the higher level, and and the amount of work he put in the gym. Um, since you're a the band for Updates, you're following Colin, Colin Sexton now in the NBA, and you're from Atlanta, I thought you might have some inside information or, or some inside knowledge on this. Uh, when you look at Colin Sexton's physique and the way he's developed his body, what is what is your favorite part of his physique?
2: Um, I, I would say the hair. Even though he's a he's a chiseled professional athlete now, I'm still a big fan of the hair, and if I could... If I could grow a tail like his and frizz mine up like that, if I still had enough to do that, that's what I would aspire to do.
1: Uh, I have one more question. You, uh, we talked about your story with, with Michael Cassandra Day of AL.com earlier. Uh, what, uh, when you were being interviewed by Michael Cassandra Day, what was it like being interviewed by the liberal media? And when the media was over, did, did he ask you to donate to Planned Parenthood?
2: Um, it's it's quite an experience because it really is a um, it's 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 a political shakedown. It was it was um, you know constant um, you know asking to go off the record so that he you know, to see if I was to see where I stood politically and also if I would contribute to um, not just Planned Parenthood but the uh, the the ACLU, uh, you know, the George Soros' organization and things like that. So
1: it was it was it was a shame. That's not surprising I at all. I, 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 that's 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 not surprising at all to hear that.
0: Uh, you mentioned, uh, John, that you you did get some likes from uh, from Tony Mitchell's mom and stuff like that. Uh, who are do, do you still hear from former players through direct messages? Do they send you direct messages? and if so, any that really stick out to you that you'd like to share? If you want to keep that private, that's okay too. Because I know Mark doesn't uh, share his uh, talks with his sources on our podcast. Yeah,
2: if they send me some by dm I, I i would rather keep that private um i will say that i you know the most recent one i got was uh there was a a baseball player who was not happy with what that i tweeted not so not happy with me tweeting it but not happy with the article in general he had emailed me or he had to a little bit about that usually it's uh usually it's a message saying thanks for the you know, thanks for calling me and appreciate the coverage and stuff like that. Um, occasionally, I'll get a message from the that just gives me a hint something that's about to, about to happen. But as far as identifying people, since it's DM, since it's uh, since it's a DM message, uh, I'd, I'd like to keep that private.
0: Understanding, understand. And Mark, you
1: got a, one last question I do. I do. I was putting two and two together earlier. Yeah Your last name is Graham. Do you know um, at Paul T. Graham on Twitter? Are you related to him in any way? Is he your son? Uh, I I have heard of him. Uh, we've crossed paths before, but
2: I, I I I will not I will not admit or deny any relation
1: to him. Okay. Well, if you if you have crossed paths with him and you see him again, could you help about with the questions that he asked? Um, me to answer on the podcast because frankly he asked the worst questions out of anybody and so if you could see him get or help him with his questions even you know teach him you know teach him don't don't give a man a fish teach him how to fish teach him how to ask better questions because frankly it's not fair to me or drew or the listeners to have answer so many of his bad questions on the podcast so if you talk to him or see him at any time, you know, help him out. You know, give him some lessons on how to write better questions. You have an excellent Twitter feed. You're clearly very good at communication. So if you can help him with his communicating skills and the quality of his questions, uh, I think I speak for everyone, including Drew and all the listeners, that we would all appreciate if he had better questions.
2: Absolutely. I will pass that message along if I do run into him anytime in the near future. All
0: right. And, uh, John, now I'll turn this over to you because it's it's very rare that someone gets an opportunity to, to talk one-on-one with Mark Jennings and ask him some questions. So I'll uh, I'll step back a little bit from this and, and let you ask Mark uh, anything you've ever wanted to know.
2: Uh, thank you, Drew. Uh, Mark, I've only got about 30 or 40 questions that I've saved up for all this time. But I'll try to narrow it down because I know your time is valuable and there were a lot of games played this weekend that you've got to go break down. So um, I'll, try to, I'll try to keep it brief here. I appreciate uh,
1: that. I do have, I'm behind on my breaking down film this week. Uh, I need to get on that. So thank you. But go ahead with your questions. Okay.
2: All right. First question I had, a um, uh, couple of weeks ago, uh, Drew Brees, I think you might remember Drew from Purdue, uh, played high school ball in the Austin, Texas area. A uh, couple of weeks ago, he set an NFL record for yardage. Uh, passing yardage for a career, uh, and it brought a lot of retrospectives and what-if questions about what would have happened if Nick Saban had been allowed to um, had been allowed to sign him. Miami? Would he have ever ended up in Miami? I mean, if he would have been there, ever ended up leaving Miami for Alabama, and what would have happened if, um, with that chain of events? Um, and I think back to when you had turned down an offer from Mike Malarkey to join his staff so that you could be the overnight manager of a bowling alley. Um, have you thought about what would have been had you taken that job and been blown out with the rest of the Titan staff last year?
1: Well, that's a great question. Before you get there, uh, you know, you talked about Drew Brees earlier. You know, I'm the one that contacted Coach Tiller when he was at Purdue to take a look at Drew Brees because I talked to all the Texas schools. All the Texas schools were overlooked in them. And and, and so Coach Tiller got on Drew Brees, and, 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 you know, we all know what happened next. But when I talk about myself and my career, I really can't say I have any regrets in turning down uh, Coach Malarkey. He was very disappointed in it. Uh, he really wanted me on his staff, but I had to do what was best for me and my family, and that was for me to get some management experience. And so what I learned from working at the bowling alley and what I learned from Dwayne working the overnight shift at the bowling alley and the amount of wealth I was able to accumulate uh, from the bowling alley, I can't say I really have any regrets. You know, you look at my lifestyle I have now, you know, if, I'm, if I go – to work for the Titans, I don't have the same lifestyle I have now with my, my my life of wealth and luxury. And I can't afford to travel all over the country to see all these big-time high school players compete against each other. So, uh, I, I, things would have turned out differently for me. Uh, I probably wouldn't have the Dippin' Dots enterprise I have now. You know, I wouldn't have a relationship with my business manager, Caden. Uh, so uh, you know, as they say, all things work out for the best, and God has a plan. And and God really had a plan for me uh, by opening up that opportunity at the bowling alley and turning down the job with the Titans and my good friend Coach Malarkey. Okay.
0: Uh,
2: thanks for and thanks for that insight. Your um your your career path has been an inspiration to us all, so I appreciate that insight. Uh, um, moving to a couple of recruiting questions. Um, one of the um, one of the price gouging page uh, uh, recruiting sites right now has a piece up about uh, George Pickens and whether or not he might flip his commitment. And if, have you heard anything about him possibly uh, flipping? And do you think he might possibly uh, decommit from Auburn and maybe committing somewhere with a more robust passing game, like uh, you know maybe Georgia Tech or something?
1: Have you uh, are you talking about George Pickens from Hoover? Correct. That's correct. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to say we talked about this in my podcast a podcast a few maybe a month ago. I don't remember. Um, Alabama is currently deciding on whether or not they want to go after George Pickens or not, and for him to flip. Uh, it, you know, it, he, George Pickens has a lot of things he needs to work on uh, to get ready for college, and Alabama is not sure if he's going to be ready for college, and and that's the issue there. Uh, But what you said about the the passing game at Auburn right now, you're exactly right. It's struggling right now. I don't think uh, Jarrett Stidham's the guy for what Coach Malzahn wants to do. Coach Malzahn, his offense really – we talked about this before – his offense really hasn't evolved a whole lot. And and he talked about Georgia Tech. But Georgia Tech, really, their offense has evolved exponentially over the past decade where Coach Malzahn still runs the same stuff just out of different sets that he did in, 2000, in 2009 and 2010 for Auburn. So uh, I'm interested to see where the George Pickens uh, recruitment goes. Uh, we got still got a couple months before signing day. Um, interested to see what Alabama does. I have an idea of what they're going to do, but obviously I can't share that with all of you. Um, I'm interested to see how it turns out, though. I think he's a great player. Uh, I think he's a, one of the best wide receiver prospects come out of, out of Alabama in a few years, better than the guys that came out uh, last year and i'm looking forward to where he goes because he's a game-changing player you know and you don't get a lot you have one of those guys on your team he can win you a lot of games i'm interested to see where it goes though that's a good question thank you
2: uh mark there were a couple of weeks ago georgia had uh three espn 300 commitments to decommit in about a 48 hour time period and i guess the the main one of those was uh Jaden hazelwood who's a five star um Are you hearing anything about some rumblings going on at Georgia as to why these guys are decommitting?
1: Yes, I I am hearing some things. Was that your only question?
2: Uh, That's it.
1: Yes, there's lots of stuff going on with the Georgia football program right now that I can't get into. I'm just saying I'm not really surprised about the number of decommitments they have. You know, you see a lot of decommitments this time of year anyway. Um, Teams really accelerate. Uh, the amount of the attention that they give to these kids, and really try to get them to come to their school. And when they commit, sometimes these kids commit very early, and they want to look at make, uh, you know, look at look around, as you say. Um, you know, they're not, you know, you make a verbal commitment. Obviously, it's not legally binding by any means. So they just want to look around. But there are other things going inside the Georgia program that, unfortunately, uh, I've been sor- sworn to secrecy about, and I can't share with all of you right now. But but yes, there are some there are some uh, happenings going on in Athens right now with the football program.
2: Uh, Mark, when you when you break down film of Talia Tongavala and Paul Tyson, which do you think is going to make the better holder at Alabama?
1: I, that's a great question. To be honest with you. you, know holding is a skill. People just just think that you catch the ball and you put it down and you're done. But it's just as much takes as much talent and athleticism to be the holder as it does to play on the defensive line or be a wide receiver or be a quarterback. It's not something you can just walk out one morning and do. It takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of practice to develop that skill. So when I look at what you need to do to be a a, a really a world-class holder, a Hall of Fame holder, you have to have strong hands. You have to be quick. Uh, you got to put the ball down. You got to be able to spin the ball to get it exactly right for the kicker. We talked last week about the physics of kicking and the weight of the ball. And when the laces are asymmetric uh, and not perpendicular to the foot, uh, the ball has it, wants to go towards that side where the extra weight is, and that can cause a big problem. That's a lot of that's looked up to the holder. So right now, I don't have a lot of film of them breaking down, but just by their natural gifts and ability and their quickness. I would think Talia is going to be a better holder at this point because he has quicker hands. Uh, their hands between Paul Tyson and, and Talia Tangavaloa are the equally uh, strong. If I'm from what I understand from breaking down their film, I haven't done any grip tests or seen any results of any grip tests with them. But right now, because of the quickness of Talia's hands, I would think that he would make a better, uh, better holder. But honestly, uh, you know, don't mark For that down in stone. I don't have any. I don't have any. Game film of them holding to analyze that, and I'm looking forward to see if I can get some game film of them holding, so I can make a better prediction. That's an excellent question, though. Thank you. And
2: uh, Mark, just following up on that, when we when Alabama puts in Mac Jones as a holder
1: instead of Tua,
2: is there any drop off there? And are we risking losing a national championship by having a third string quarterback holding?
1: Well, that's that's another good question. I what I am, you know, as I just said, holding's a skill and it takes talent. And if we're doing practice time, I think if you're Alabama, you'd much rather have Tua taking snaps with the with the offense than than practicing as holding. So if I'm Coach Saban, I'm running practice. I think I'd rather have Mac Jones out there because he practices with it so much. But um, Tua might be so naturally gifted as a holder. That he might be better, but frankly, I don't see a real appreciable difference when with, with Tua out there compared to Mac Jones.
2: Mark, um, here's a, a this is a this is you know, shifting gears here. Just thinking about the SEC office in general. Uh,
0: uh, last
2: this past year, they moved media days out of Hoover uh, because it just wasn't safe enough for the liberal media to meet anymore. Have you heard anything about them possibly moving the SEC based tournament out of Hoover as well, or was this the moving? The media days just a, sort of a not literal media because they didn't feel safe in Hoover anymore.
1: Well, you know, I, there have been rumblings about moving the SEC baseball tournament out of Hoover every May. Uh, fans of other teams complain about how it's in Hoover. Um, you know, I, Hoover's fine It's a central location, but I don't think that you would have the SEC baseball tournament in 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 Watts. Um, because it's such an unsafe area. So for that same reason, I don't see why you'd have it in Hoover, uh, which is equally unsafe. So I think they should move it just for safety purposes, especially since so many games end so late in the SEC tournament. Uh, you know, I'll talk about 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning, these games or anything. I think they should move it just for safety reasons. And, and luckily, no one's been hurt uh, being at Hoover so late at night with the baseball games. But I think they should move it to a, definitely to a safer area uh, outside of Hoover, and I think they should. I've been lobbying my good friend Greg Sankey to move it uh, for a couple of years now. You know, I spend some time in Hoover, so I know the danger that happens there. And, and I'm trying to convince Mr. Sankey to move it now. They have a contract in place with Hoover, I believe, so they can't move it uh, this year. But I would expect to see, uh, because of my relationship with Mr. Sankey, uh, the the SEC baseball tournament moved out of Hoover in the relatively near future, and make it a little more fan-friendly so they don't have to worry about uh, getting mugged or getting attacked uh, while they're at the SEC baseball tournament.
2: Okay, Mark, uh, what, what wanted to see how your how breaking down film has changed for you in the Saban era since our, we now have a national recruiting, as opposed to previous coaches who typically recruited in a about a 250 mile radius. Of Tuscaloosa. Do have you had to broaden the number of people that, that you break down film on, or are you just now? Do you just, in order to save time, you just do it's just on four and five star, or you know what? What in general has been the effect on on your pastime here from having a wider recruiting footprint?
1: Well, you, you know, you bring up a good point. Back when I started in the recruiting business 30 years ago. Uh, you know, Alabama Auburn schools, they recruited Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee and Mississippi, and they didn't go and, and northern Florida, they didn't go outside of that. So it was very easy for me if I wanted to get film of a kid, I could just meet up with the coach and drive to the school and, and and get that film that I needed to. But but now and really just thanks to the the advent of new technology, uh, I can see uh, film from all over the country right in my living my in my office and my big screen uh, projector I have set up in there. So that's really, uh, I've really been blessed with the the, the new technology that allows me, because I can break down film of any player in the country and not have to leave my house. And that's something I couldn't do 30 years ago. It has uh, made it more work also in terms of my developing sources and developing contacts. You know, you got a kid playing down the road at a high school. You know, I already know his head coach. I already know his family. Uh, You're talking kids like Najee Harris out of Antioch, California. You know, it took time to develop those relationships. Those people in California didn't know who I was, and it took them a while to trust me, and so I could really become a part of their inner circle so I could follow the Najee recruitment. And as you notice, I said from the very beginning that that Najee Harris was not going to Michigan. And the reason I knew that was certainty because I had taken the time to develop the relationships and the contacts with people in Antioch, And, and, and that's really where the time comes in uh, for me. But in terms of breaking down film, uh, with, with the, the internet and, and, you know, software like huddle, I can break down film of any player. And that's been a real blessing. But it's the other thing, the other part that I was talking about that takes up so much time.
2: You know, while I've got you, it would, yeah, it would be remiss if I didn't run at least one dip and dots question past you.
1: Um,
2: we were at, uh, we were at Grant Fields, uh, last month. And, um, I noticed that the um the, there was no line at the Dippin' dots at the Dippin' dots kiosk and I actually took a picture of it um so you may have seen it on Twitter of the empty kiosk at Grant field uh and it looked like well, it looked like your good friend Tom Culpepper may have been the one selling the Dippin' dots but i was uh but it did get me to wonder and I was starting to i was i was telling my wife um your your dippin' dots experience and how you brought in Caden and how you're, you're you're able to manage that without actually having having to be there selling the dots yourself. Uh, and she started thinking about how that could apply to my, my tax problem. Um, so she suggested that you know that I should probably hire somebody like Caden who could um you know could come in uh, work for my home office while I um you know while I go out and visit clients and try to just additional business um, which sounded like a great idea to me because I could tell her I'm out generating business and I could just go out to you know, I could go to a um, sports bar or a coffee shop and be on Twitter all day if I uh, but she did say that you know if I hired somebody like Caden that she'd prefer somebody she thought it would be a good idea if he was tall and spoke with an accent and that had me confused can you think of any reason why she was that, um, that the, the Caden type would need to be tall I mean, I can understand the accent because that might help develop, um, you know, some international business. But I wasn't sure, the, uh, you know, why my uh, protege would need to be taught. Any, any ideas on that, Mark?
1: Well, you know, my wife really brought this to my attention when we were talking about who to hire. And she was very adamant that your height is, is, is highly correlated with your intelligence, and so the taller you are, the smarter you are and the business the better business person you're making. That's part of the reason why I hired Caden. And my wife likes it. My wife likes Caden a lot. They have a great relationship. They're pretty close. You know, they really on game days they really go handle a uh, part of the operation. I handle another part of the operation. So I never really see him on game days. And during the week they spend a lot of time working together. And this is one of those deals where uh and my wife to be working with the person. I I think it's only fair to her to get the type of person that she wanted as the business manager. And she saw Caden and she said immediately said that's the guy that I should hire uh, to operate my business. She hadn't even looked at his resume yet, but that's what she knew she wanted. That's what she got to look at, at, at his his facial structure. And I told her how told her how tall he was. So uh, that's something my wife's really into. Uh, I, I'm not sure I believe uh, all the science behind it. But but that's what my wife tells me, and and she really likes Caden a lot, and they spend a lot of time together, and 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 and, and you know it's all worked out great. And I've had a lot of success with the and Dots operation. I'm sorry to hear about what happened at at, at Grant Field. Uh, I don't know the people who operate the and Dots at Grant Field personally, but I do know uh, people high enough in the and Dots uh, business infrastructure I could send a message to them and let them know that that their product is not being served as as well as it could be. And, and you know, uh, why do I care about what happens at Grant Field? You know, we're all part of the Dippin' Dots family, and you got a a brother that's really letting you down and not pulling his weight and bringing the family down. Well, that affects you. You know, it's not you that's doing it, but it's your brother and and, and really brings the whole family down. So uh, I'll make sure to let the Dippin' Dots people know uh, about what's going on at Grant Field, and I appreciate you telling me about it. But that was a good question. Thank you, John.
2: Well, I appreciate that. That's a lot. Re- that's um. That's really reassuring, and I will um. You know, I, I may even let my wife do the interviewing since she seems to have a better eye for this. And um, um the last question I had today was just uh, this. This is a this is a little off the beaten path here, but uh, we've developed. Uh, an interest recently in um, the service academy. Can you tell me anything you would that you know about the uh, uh, the Navy baseball team coming up?
1: Asking for a friend. Well, uh, their coach, Navy baseball, correct? Uh, that's correct, Mark. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, I know Coach Costakopoulos over at Navy, formerly at Maine and formerly at Providence. Pretty successful coaching career. Uh, I believe he's been to five NCAA tournaments over three different programs, so he really knows what he's doing. Uh, They've probably got the best program in the Patriot League at this point. There's a lot of good coaches in that league. You know, it's real tough in the Patriot League. You got it, It's not really a baseball area. There's some latitudinal by, bias that's working against them because they're fourth further north and they don't get the amount of summer, so... Uh, you're you're in a you're not in the power conference. You're the Patriot League, and all the schools are located in areas without a lot of baseball players. So it's really hard to get uh, really a good program going. But Paul, Coach Costopoulos over at, at Annapolis, really has it going on pretty well. Won the conference last year, I believe. So he's had a lot of success. But there are a lot of good coaches in that league, at like Coach Foster over at Army, uh, Coach Leary over at Lehigh. These are guys who are successful and really know the game, and they've got some really good programs over there. But I like, I like Navy baseball a lot. I like what he's done with the program, and I look forward to see what he's doing next year. I talked to him a couple months ago about what he plans to do in the program. He wants to get a lot guys that are a lot more faster, a lot more quicker. He wants to bring in guys from the, the southern part of the United States that grew up playing baseball all the time. And that's where really what his recruiting is going to next. You know, he's been in the Northeast his whole life. He wants to try to get some guys who, you know, maybe play travel ball or, or or play on school teams where the season starts in January or February instead of only having guys who only play three months a year. But I really like where the Navy baseball program is heading.
0: All right. Uh, some great questions there, John, and, and some great answers there, Mark. Uh, but As we end the podcast, uh, John, if you hold on just one second, but uh, we do have a couple of listener questions that I would like to get to. And and Mark, uh, can you just tell everybody how they can find you on Twitter and on
1: email? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MarkJennings55. That's one word, at MarkJennings55. Or you can find me on email. If you're in the Stone Age, you can email me. My email address is MarkBreaksDownFilm at AOL.com. That's one word, MarkBreaksDownFilm at AOL.com. You can find me on Twitter as well as at MarkJennings55. Uh, either one of those would be great. I love hearing all your questions, and I hope to have some more, uh, to be able to answer more great questions today.
0: All right. We hear from C. CNort uh, at CK Norton one and he asks, Mark Jennings, 55, is Talia Tungovaloa going to switch to LSU like the LSU subscription sites suggest?
1: Well, you know, Drew, it's October. You know what that means. It means it's prime time for the subscription sites to really bring in their revenue. And I'm glad John mentioned this earlier. Uh, you know, they're just going to make up stuff to lie to you. Uh, Talia is not going to LSU. I don't know. What, that's such a – actually, I'm impressed that they had the guts to come out with that rumor because that's such an asinine thing to say. Uh, but, no, you know, whoever's running that subscription site, uh, I would say they should be ashamed of themselves, but I'm not sure that people that operate those type of subscription sites are capable of shame or guilt. Uh, but, no, Th- Talia is not going to LSU.
0: All right, and our last question comes from uh, Joseph Bolin at Joseph B nineteen eighty two. Mark, can you please address why Damian Harris only had three carries in the Tennessee game, and that's a deal where Coach Saban said it was an internal issue? Mark, do you have any more insight for uh, Joseph?
1: You said that was from Joseph, correct?
0: Joseph Bolin, uh, unfamiliar. I don't, I'm not very familiar with this name right here. Maybe maybe you know him.
1: You sure it wasn't Paul Graham?
0: No, it says at Joseph B, nineteen eighty-two.
1: Because that seems like the type of question that Paul Graham would ask. Uh, it's not a very good question. Yeah, uh,
0: but it's from Joseph. Do you, do you can you address or do you want to? Address I mean, I, only
1: I, I, I'll answer as best I can. Uh, honestly, I, honestly, I don't think he should ever address ask a question again because this is just a waste of my time. Of course, I know what happened with Damien Harris, and of course, I can't share that information with you. Why am I getting questions that you know I can't answer? You know, I've been yeah. saying all along we need to get Caden to start screening the questions, and I think we should start doing that next week because this is this is a terrible question. Paul Paul Graham, I, I say Paul Graham, but I don't think he's ever asked a question. This this asinine. This is a ridiculous question. You know, I can't answer this. So why are you asking me?
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, we'll have to. Uh, this must have just slipped through the cracks here. We'll have to do some better security. Uh, But, yeah, Joseph, I hope you're happy, and and I hope you're happy with with, what you made Mark become as we end the podcast. Um, But uh, first off, I want to thank John Graham. He is at Bama Pro Updates for coming on and sharing his wisdom and knowledge and expertise and how he goes about tracking down pro athletes. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh,
2: Thank you, Drew, and thank you, Mark. I uh, I feel like I'm a lot smarter for having been through this experience, and, um, you know, I will – I will. I will. I have learned, and will also strive to ask better questions so your time's not wasted, like it was at the end of this call.
0: Yeah, good deal. And uh, you can find the Champs Corner podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, maybe Spotify. I don't know. Pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us. And then you can also listen on SoundCloud. Follow me at Drew Champlin. Follow Mark at Mark Jennings fifty five, and our guest Bama Pro updates on Twitter. Uh, Mark Jennings, thanks again for spending some time with us and delaying your normal Sunday afternoon of breaking down film.
1: Drew, as always, it is a pleasure to come on your podcast. I will be back on next week as long as you'll have me.
0: And we sure will. And we thank everybody for listening, and we will talk to you guys soon.